Everybody all right? I'm going to get started. Um, so this is a third part. This is, this is part three of our series uh, of what the church is about. Like, what are we building? We say every Sunday we're building a place where people encounter God. We talked about that, how important the encounters with God are. They change the direction of our lives. They, they change the quality uh, of our lifestyle too, right? And, uh, and they certainly give us purpose, and, and they're like uh, markers along our life and our walk with God. And it's a way to know God in a deeper way, in a way that you've never known Him before. So encounters are so important, but encounters don't renew your mind. Moses encountered himself with a burning bush, but that didn't renew his mind. He still had hang-ups. He still made bad calls. He's, you know, like he was still human. And so then we talked about the second part last week about belonging to a family and the importance of belonging to a family. God called us not to be just independent or just me and God and nobody else, but he called us to be interdependent. And it is actually in a family when you grow and you learn to interact with people and you learn how to really love like God loves, which is, you know, no, uh, uh, unconditional. And it's, uh, we, we don't hold on to a record of wrongs and past offenses, but we learn how to forgive. And, and we exercise that part of us that a lot of times, if you live with perfect people or if it's just you and nobody else, you don't have to exercise that. Like, you know, it's just you and God and God is perfect and he has enough grace for you. So there's no reason to to grow in that aspect. But when you're in a church environment or a family environment, so you have lots of opportunities to interact with different personalities that are all God's children, all unique, all different. And especially here, we're not trying to make everybody like us. You know, we want you to be you because God made you amazing. We just want you to become whole. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And, and we're building a place where people are being transformed, but being transformed by the word of God, right? I used to say this a lot. Um, but if we tried to change you, we'd probably mess you up. And so we need God and the Holy Spirit. His word has more than enough power to change all of us. You know, I think we've also experienced maybe cultures in the past or whether in church or out of church where it's, it's judgment and criticism and condemnation, you know, of other people that try to change other people. And that's impossible because nobody can really change you. Not even God can change you. If you don't want to change, God can't change you. You know, that's, that's the thing about freedom, that he gave us true freedom, and he put us in, you know, in the beginning, it was in the garden, and he gave them freedom. It was freedom so real that there was actually an option to mess up. When there's no options to mess up, it's not true freedom. So they had an option. They had one option to mess up, <laughs> and they messed up. <laughs> you know, and I think we've all had that one option. <laughs> too, you know? It's not like, oh man, if I was me, like I would have never, you know, eaten that apple. Like, hmm, who knows? You know, maybe that's what they said. But the thing is, that's true freedom. And so true freedom, just like gives you the opportunity to mess up, it also puts in your court the option to, to be transformed, to the option to grow, the option to change. And it's really up to us. And so you're going to hear me say this a lot through today, but this is the thing I want you to know. Because of Jesus, I'm born again, but transformation's up to me. Because of Jesus, I'm born again, but transformation's up to me. Okay? We're not looking for behavior modification. We're looking for heart transformation. That's what we're after. Okay? Religion is after behavior modification. Remember, religion is like, look good, talk good, sound good, you know, and behave good. Like, we don't really care about the deepest fears in your heart. We don't care about the brokenness of your past. We don't care, you know, if you're really, really happy or not. Just look the part. 
and don't make us look bad. That's what religion does, right? If you're going to belong to this group, you're going to represent us well. So, you know, whatever you do in your private time, we don't care about. But that's not the heart of God. The heart of God actually cares for, for us, like, to the deepest core, to, to the brokenness that we're dealing with, to the issues that, you know, that, that we face every day, to the struggles and the fights and the weaknesses and the addictions and, and all of those things. God cares about all of those things because when you're in relationship with him, you don't have to modify your behavior. You get to transform your heart. And the Bible tells us that out of the abundance of the heart flow all of the issues of life. So every and any issue in life that you have is coming out of your heart. So if we focus on religious works, we're just going to modify the fruit, but we're never going to change the root. And the root has to be grounded in him and in his house. You know, the Bible tells us that in his house, we, those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. You will flourish. Amen. And so we want heart transformation, not behavior modification. You know, behavior modification is like makeup. You know, a clown, you know, goes... And puts on all this makeup, you know, and is ready for the show. But if he has to work every day as a clown, he, he has to take the makeup off, right? And then reapply it. And then take it off and reapply it every day. And I can only imagine how exhausting it must be. It probably takes a toll on your face and your skin, I'm sure, you know. Any clown? Has anybody who's done the clown thing here? Well, we have a few. <laughs> I told you. I told you. But it must be exhausting. Imagine having to do that every day, right? But that's how people live their lives. They're like, all right, here we go. Yeah. Put the smile. How you doing? Blessed and highly favored. You got any problems? Anything we can pray for? No, no, no. We're all good here. All good here. You know? New creation in Christ Jesus. Nothing to see. Don't look behind the curtain. No, no, no. The weather's great, isn't it? The weather's so awesome. Yeah, praise the Lord. It's cold. Oh, yeah, it's hot. Yeah. Let's just stay there. Hmm. What do you not want me to know? What? <laughs> right? And so it becomes this just, you know, this just facade that, that we put up and that we, we don't deal with the issues of the heart because it's messy in there. And so we're going to live in performance our whole life and we're going to get exhausted and tired to the point that one day you just... You're so burnt, you're so judged, you're so criticized, you're so done that you don't even want to go to church anymore. There's, it, it, it's, just, it's just an act. You just come and there's nothing because there's no transformation. See, we were created to grow. We were created for more and better. In the beginning, you know, God put them there. He blessed them. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Be fruitful, always producing, multiply, always increasing, Fill the earth, always filling and refilling. That instruction is at the very essence of all of us. Inside, we're always all looking for growth. We're always all looking for more. We're always all looking to multiply. We're always looking for the next thing. That's kind of a, an idea of hope that gives us a vision of like, ooh, man, like, you know, when I get out of here, mm, I'm going to have a great meal. We're going to go so-and-so. Like, you're looking for the next thing, naturally, Right, and so we kind of live by this by this thing of like always looking to grow, always looking to get better. And it's actually when people stop grow, uh, hoping for anything that they that they uh, get depressed. And so inside of us, we all want transformation. 
We just don't know how to get it. And we end up with religion. We end up with works. We end up with this heavy burden on us of like, do, 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 and never really deal with be and become. Are you with me? And so we won't judge you into change here. We will love you into transformation. And that's part of our, our mission. It's part of our core values. We believe the Word of God and the Holy Spirit have more than enough power to transform you from the inside. Now, naturally, people like the quick, easy, cheap way and shortcut to get anywhere and anything done. Even our brain operates that way. Okay? But that's not God's way. And that's not the way that's everlasting. We need His his process, how he told us to do things. And so um, everyone's looking for change, even in the church, outside of the church. And so we've learned we're going to give you the word, and then it's up to you. You know, it's exhausting also trying to change someone. I don't know if you've ever tried to help somebody, you know, and, and then you're more invested than, they, invested than they are, and you're like trying to change them. And then you're exhausted, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's not working. Like, you're not doing anything. (laughs) Right? And we end up more frustrated, and we end up more um, exhausted than they are. And so we learned that our job is to give you the word, you know. Like, his job was to die on the cross, defeat death, sin, and the grave you know, resurrect, be raised to life again, give us new life, give us a door into salvation to be born again. But transformation is up to me. Say transformation is up to me. I'm glad you acknowledge that. (laughs) So Jesus died, resurrected, we're saved. But a lot of people think because they're a new creation in Christ Jesus, they've arrived. (laughs) You arrived at the door. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean that you've arrived. It means like you started. You started the journey. He did the hard part. Now transformation is up to us. And now it's, it's here where we now go forth and we start following heavenly and kingdom principles to bring about transformation in life. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you this, this example. It's I've been using this for years, so some of you have heard it, but um, how many of you have ever lost the remote control to the TV? <laughs> and then you ran to Walmart and you bought a generic one, right? And, you know, it has instructions like they're like this small, and then you open it, and they're like, it's like an atlas, you know? And you finally find the brand and model of yours, and you start, you know, doing like this like you're, like, you're typing like Morse code in that remote control in order to sync it to your TV. Anybody's ever done that? Okay. And then you finally sync it to your TV, and it turns on. That's great. Volume goes up and down. Wait, why isn't it switching to, you know, to TV mode or to aux mode or to the Apple TV? Why is the channel backwards? Like, up is down and down is up. Like, and you start finding out that, not all the functions in the remote control actually work, right? Like you could turn it off, on, you turn up the volume down, and that's it. And it's worthless because it's not fully compatible. It's not, it wasn't made for that TV. It was just made for a bunch of TVs. 
and, and so that's kind of like how salvation works. And let me explain, okay? You get saved, now you're compatible with heaven, okay? You're compatible. You're a child of God. You, you have the entrance. But unless you program all those buttons, you're just going to get to heaven and live a miserable life here on earth. And so the process of being transformed is when we're aligning our values, our belief system to his kingdom principles and his kingdom values. And it's in that process that all the other buttons start working. Oh my gosh, my marriage is getting better. Oh my gosh, my kids, like my relationship with them is better than ever. Oh wow, my finances are prospering. Oh wow, look at this one. You know, I am now more joyful than I've ever been. Like, I have peace that I didn't have before. And like all these other things start lining up to him. So you're actually enjoying more of everything that that TV is supposed to do. You know what I mean? Like some TVs are like smart TVs now. They do like a ton of things, right? But if you have a generic remote from Walmart, you're not going to be able to access all the amazing features, right? And so that's the process of transformation. You're a child, you're a daughter, you're a son of God, but you're not living in all the abundance and experiencing all the promises and like walking in peace and joy all the time because you have not been transformed. So Jesus' part is like he gives you the entrance. He makes you a son and a daughter. He changes your nature and your identity. And from there, you start moving forward. See, like, that's the amazing thing. That the, the most important thing is he changes our identity. So we're no longer sinners, because if you're a sinner, you're always going to sin, because that's what sinners do. But now you, you were a sinner, you were saved by grace, now you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And because now you are the righteousness of, Christ, of, of God in Christ Jesus, your life starts producing different fruit as you are being transformed by the renewing of your mind. You with me? In 3 John uh, verse 2, it clearly says, Beloved, I wish that you may prosper and be in good health, just as, or in the same measure, or as you put the work in, to what? To your soul, right? As your soul prospers. As your soul is being reprogrammed, as the circuits and the programming of the remote control is being changed, you're enjoying more of the features. Okay, so let's talk about um, a, few, uh, a few of the things that God has to say about this. And we're going to go to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Okay, This is one of our uh, favorite scriptures because it just makes it so clear, plain. Right? So Romans 12 verse 2 says, Don't copy the behavior of this world, customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Now, the word transform there is the word metamorpho, okay? This is a very interesting word because it's only used a couple times in the, in the New Testament. And the other time it's used is, is in the transfiguration. When Jesus was transfigured in the Mount of Transfiguration, when he told uh, James, uh, John, and Peter, come up with me, you know, and then Jesus went up a little further and he met with Moses and Elijah and he came back down and his face was like bright, kind of like when Moses went up the mountain and to receive the Ten Commandments. So, so Jesus was transfigured, and this is the other 
uh, place in the Bible where it's used, where this word is used, and now here, and it's telling us that to be transfigured, right, to change into another form. That's the other uh, definition of the word metamorpho, is to be changed into a different form. Interestingly enough, you know, our brain has pathways and grooves depending on the experiences, the wounds, the hurts, the brokenness, the trauma that you've had in your life. Your brain shapes and, and it changes. It's called uh, um, neuroplasticity. neuroplasticity. Thank you. And so that could be for the good or for the bad, right? So if you had a traumatic experience, you know, an abusive situation, like the forms and the, and the, and the shapes and the patterns in your brain actually change. So to me, it's fascinating that right here in Romans 12 is saying like, be transformed, be metamorpho, be changed into another form, okay? Your mind and your understanding needs to be changed into a different form. It's not just your thoughts, but also your understanding, okay? By the renewing of your mind. The way you do this is by, the, the renewing word is anachinosis, which is to complete, it's, it's a complete change for the better, a complete change for the better. Okay? So as you metamorpho your mind, then you will have a complete change for the better in your life. Change your mind, better life. Like, wait a minute, and where's Jesus in all this? Well, this wouldn't be possible without Jesus, period. This wouldn't be possible without his word because the way we renew our mind is to the word of God and not just the logos, but the rhema word of God. And there's these two words that are used for word and one is logos and one is rhema. And interestingly enough, it's the word rhema that is used in, in some of the scriptures I'm going to read right now because the word rhema is a spoken word. Faith comes by rhema. Romans 10, 17 Faith comes by the spoken word that you hear, whether you hear it preached or you hear it online right now, or you hear it because you were having a time with God and he spoke to you, or you were reading the Bible and it jumped at you and it became more than just the written word, but it became the spoken word to you. I hope you're following this, okay? And so Romans 12, 2 is, is, is very key, right? This, because this is the way that we can know God's will for us. So in other words, if we read this backwards, it's impossible for us to know the perfect, good, and pleasing will of God, specifically for our lives and for those around us, unless we metamorpho or anakinosis. <laughs> You're trilingual now or bilingual, depends. <laughs> unless you change the form of your mind and understanding for the better. Are you with me? Okay. So renew our mind. God won't renew your mind for you. God will not renew our mind for us. Like he won't cross that line, you know. He's given us freedom. He's like, he's done everything. He's given us everything we need to. Now we need to renew our minds. He loves us unconditionally. Whether you renew your mind or not, He's always going to love you. He's always going to accept you. Like, if you, if you never believe that healing is for you or for today, if you never believe that prosperity is for you or for today, if you believe you need to suffer, you know, for Jesus your whole life, like, he's, and you never renew your mind about any other thing, like, he's still going to love you no matter what. 
and you'll still live in eternity with him in heaven. But Jesus came in John 10, 10 to give us life and life more abundant. And he wasn't talking about heaven. He was talking to give us life, right? Eternal life, but abundant life here on earth. That's his will for us. And it's impossible to know his good, perfect, pleasing will for us unless we change our mind, unless we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, okay? In Ephesians 5.26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her by the washing of water by the word, by the word, by the rhema. See, this is how we are transformed, is we're washing our mind and our thoughts, and we're, um, uh, let me think about the good word for this. We are challenging our every belief against the word of God, okay? We're, we're like, I believe, you know, this, okay? And when you put it against the word of God, how does it contrast? Does it look good? Does it look like that's God, that's his character, that's, that's his will, that's, you know, what Jesus paid for on the cross, or, or not, Right? That's why the Bible tells us to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. In other words, it's like, hold on. This thought used to tell me that it was by my works that I would earn things and that I would earn the love of God. And, and so I take that thought and I bring it up to Christ. And does it look like that's God's heart? Right? Oh, but the Old Testament... That's a, that's a different teaching, right? But we can't look at the Old Testament unless we look at it through the cross and the blood of Jesus. It's illegal for you to look at the Old Testament without the cross and the blood of Jesus. The Old Testament is the, uh, the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And if we don't know how to read them and how to understand them, we, we will get really confused. But we need to know, like, there's a reason why the timeline of the whole world was broken up and before Christ and after Christ. Something changed. A new and better covenant. Are you with me? Okay. So I don't want to get derailed. Um, so Ephesians 5.26, like, we are sanctified and we're cleansed by the washing of the water, by the word, by the rhema word. So Romans 10.17 says, faith comes by hearing, right? So as we hear the word and re-listen to the word and we read the word see it's not just about oh i read my 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 reading for today no what did god say through what you read is what you do with the word that actually matters it's what you do with what you hear you know on sundays as you're getting discipled right now you're getting discipled that's what that's what we're doing you know, a lot of people are like, hey, we need a discipleship. I'm like, well, do you, do you not come on Sundays and, like, take notes and, like, do something with it? Like, what do you think we're doing, you know? And so that's how we wash. That's how we're washed and sanctified, right, and renew our mind is by the word, by the rhema word, okay? Second um, Corinthians 3.18 Let's read this one. Um, This is another way that we're transformed, okay? So renewing our mind, but check this out. It says, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass or a mirror, okay? The glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. 
we are transformed, okay? Same word that changed is metamorpho, okay? We are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, this is so interesting because this gives us another way by, we're, by which we're transformed, and that's by worship. The washing of the word, hearing and hearing the word, okay? But also worship. Why worship? Okay. What happens when your kid starts watching some artist? Or, or you, when you were whatever, you know, age, a teenager, and you start watching this, this artist, and he dresses different than everybody, and he does his hair different than everybody, then what happens? All of a sudden, you're like, you're like starting to, because you're admiring. You're like, oh, this guy is so popular. He's so cool, you know. I'm going to wear the same jeans. And you go to the store, and you buy jeans that look like that, right? Oh, look at that. That guy has a chain hanging from his wallet, you know, over here. That looks cool. I'm going to do that too, right? Hey, look at his hair. He just shaved the whole thing. I'm going to go shave the whole thing too. Because you admire, you're also being transformed to the image of that one you worship. Right? And so that's why worship is so important and it's so powerful. And you can't just, you know, do it one way. Like God provided both ways. As a matter of fact, I suggest that more people in today's world are changed by worshiping other people than by reading their biography. So how can the church miss out on the power of worship? When we're singing about his faithfulness and we're singing about his goodness and we're singing about his love, right? We should be gazing upon like how amazing and good and powerful and loving he is. And as we behold his glory, you're not just singing it, you're beholding who he is. It's, it's transforming you into that image too. If he is so amazing and so forgiving, how could I hold something against my wife? How could I hold something against this other guy, you know, when God has been so amazing to me? How are you going to sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound, right? And then you go out and you're still holding a 15, 30-year-old grudge against someone. Like it doesn't make sense. You're not really worshiping. You're just going in to sing and look. Oh, look. Yeah. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Behold the glory of the Lord. We need to take our worship to the next level. You know, make it easy. If you don't know what the levels are, just look up Tim Hawkins, worship, lift, raise your hands. You know, he'll tell you there's levels. You know, maybe it's your first time here, just like a little bit of swinging, you know. Start with your hands up here, then maybe here, you know. And then you graduate to like kind of stuff, running laps around the church, like, like it doesn't matter, King David beats us all, right, if you haven't read what King David did, you know, we don't encourage you to do that, everything but, okay, 
Keep your shirt on. <laughs> Beholding the glory of the Lord. That's why we have worship night, guys. You know, two hours of just worship. We come and just like sit in the presence of God, just meditate, sing what's being sung, and let it like imprint in your heart. That is who He is. That is how good He is. All the things He's done for you. You know, like he's the one we want to admire the most because he's the one that we're becoming into. Like, like we were created in his likeness and image. So let me say it this way. We were created in his likeness and image. We were born again and we were born again into his family. We have a perfect spirit, but we have all this junk in the soul, all these wounds, all this brokenness in our life that is not allowing us to be fully compatible with the abundant life he has for us. So as we behold his glory and we're being transformed, okay, then we're actually returning back to being more like him, which is how we were created in the beginning. So we're actually being restored to our original state. You can only hear that again online. (laughs) So subscribe. YouTube channel, Facebook, whatever your thing is, you know. We have a podcast, we have like... We, we've made it in so many ways and free for you to access it in whichever way you want, whether it's just audio or video. So there's no excuse for you to hear and hear and wash yourself with the Word of God. We have such good Word. That's why it's so important that we have so many different giftings of, of different people, you know, uh, other than just me, you know, that, that are on this pulpit that come and they share from, you know, from the different uh, offices that God has established in the body of Christ. So, um Anyways, Joseph Z is going to be amazing, so don't miss that. Friday night, Friday night, 7 p.m. Um, okay, let's, let's keep moving. Um, we talked about 2 Corinthians 3 and T. Okay, you know, if you watch Jesus, here's what Jesus did. Because the bottom line is transformation. Say with me, the bottom line is transformation. That's what it's about. Why is that what it's about? Because Matthew 28, 19 says, Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Okay? That's all of us. How do we make disciples if we're not disciples? Okay? So we need to become disciples. We're sons. We're daughters. Like, that's... We're following Jesus. You know, we're followers of Him. We go where He goes. We, we talk like Him. You know, we, we hold in high esteem what He says, His teachings, the truth, the, the principles of the kingdom that He's taught us. Like, we practice them because that's who we're following. Okay? So if the bottom line is transformation, I say that because... Jesus came here, and when he was on earth, he didn't transform everybody. He only had, you know, like three close, 12 disciples, right? And then from there, like, there was a few hundred people, right? And then, yes, he, he also touched, you know, bigger circles, right? He had, he had big crowds of 5,000, probably more, with women and children, right? And, and people that heard him. But there was really only about 12 disciples and then the apostles that you read about in in, in Acts. And so what happened to them is that they followed Jesus, they were his disciples, and in consequence of that, they were transformed. Their lives were transformed. They were walking with Jesus, okay? They looked up to Jesus, they beheld his glory, they became became like him, they talked like him. That's why Peter was accused of being one of those that followed Jesus, because, hey, you look like him and you talk like him. 
And then he started cussing like, oh, no, I beep, bleep, bleep, bleep. No, I'm not one of them, you know. But he had, you could tell he had been transformed just by walking with Jesus because he talked and looked like him and, 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 and they identified him as one of his disciples. And so he leaves these disciples. And then what do these disciples do? Well, you and I are fruit of what they did because they now transformed the world. Broken people hurt people. Whole people heal people. But transform people, transform others. And that's what the disciples did. So that's how we do the Great Commission. See, it's not a me message. But without you being transformed, you can't make disciples that will in turn transform others. And you completely break off the system that Jesus established of multiplication and expansion and, and you know, making disciples of all nations. So it's not a me, me, me message. It's, I can't really help transform other people. As a matter of fact, if I'm broken, I'm going to hurt people. So I need to become whole so that I can help heal other people, right? Because in the manner that I'm transformed, it's not just that I prosper, but I also affect other people and make disciples, and then they're transformed, and then they go and they make disciples, and they start transforming. That's how you transform the world. Because of Jesus, I'm born again, but transformation is up to me. I'm going to show you a couple more scriptures. Let's go to, are you, are you getting something out of this? Yeah. Okay, why, this is like, why do we need to be transformed? Well, you know, do you want your families to be transformed? Do you want your children to be transformed? Do you want, you know, generations and the people around you to be transformed? Like, we're all looking for something better. And yes, you can sell them the pills that you, that you sell, and it might have a good effect on their lives. But how much better if you give them of the Jesus that you're transformed by and they actually experience inside transformation for the rest of their lives. I'm not saying like if, you know, like all those other things are, are good too, you know, like oh, it depends what kind of pills. I don't want to be misquoted here. Okay. Okay. So Jesus transformed a few that in turn transformed the world. That's why transformation is the bottom line. Your transformation is not about you. You will be benefited from the byproduct of having a transformed life and enjoying all of the features on the remote control. Yes, you will. But it's not for you. It's so that you can transform others. And also, let me say this. You don't have to be the finished product. Okay? Like, oh, well, I got a long ways to go. Let me tell you, Paul had a long ways to go. And he says in Philippians 3.12, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect. No, no, no. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Why did Jesus take a hold of you? You see, the reason why he took hold of us is so that we can continue pressing on to take a hold of that. What is that? It's, it's the prosperity, it's the transformation, it's the abundant life. So in other words, there's a whole lot more for what, for which, for which Jesus grabbed a hold of you for? <laughs> that was hard to say. <laughs> then you're grabbing a hold of now. That was a tongue twister. In Philippians uh, 12, I'm sorry, Philippians 2, verse uh, 12, in the New King James. Uh, let's, yeah, Philippians 2, 12. 
There we go. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Check this out. Pay attention. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I'm like, first time I read this, I'm like, I thought we were saved by grace. It says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And then I understood. It's talking about our second salvation. I have a whole message about the two salvations. You can find it on our, online on the Linktree thing. But what this is referring to is the transformation portion. Okay? We were saved from darkness, okay? pulled out of Egypt, okay? going towards the promised land. But the way to the promised land is how you, is you're working out your salvation. That is the perfecting that, that I just read in Philippians 3.12 that Paul said, I am being made perfect. I'm not fully perfect yet. I keep pressing on. I keep being transformed. I keep learning. I keep growing. I keep beholding His glory. I keep renewing my mind. I keep putting down the flesh. I keep, you know, uh, taking my thoughts captive. I keep, you know, cultivating my heart. I keep becoming whole. I keep, you know, uh, getting healed from the trauma because I still see those Christians that I killed. That's what Paul was dealing with. Do you think he didn't have trauma about what he did after knowing that it was wrong? That it was bad? That he was completely off? That he oversaw the death of Stephen? Like, how do you get over that? So he, was, he knew he was being made perfect. He was pressing on because there was more and more that Jesus grabbed a hold of him for. And it was not just about him, it was about others. And so uh, let's read the Passion Translation there, uh, Joel, on Philippians 2, 12 and 13. It says, My beloved ones, just like you've always listened to everything I've taught you in the past, I'm asking you now to keep following my instructions as though I were right there with you. Now you must continue to make this new life fully manifested. Bam. Like, if I had a mic, I would drop it. You, who? You, tell the person next to you, 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 I'm trying to find my line. Say you again while I find this. It says, you must continue to make this new life fully manifest. You see what I told you at the beginning, right? Because of Jesus, I am saved, but transformation is up to me. I need to make this new life fully manifested as I live in holy awe of God beholding his glory which brings you trembling into his presence verse 13 says god will continually revitalize you implanting within you the passion to do what pleases him that is so amazing god is so good because of jesus i am born again but transformation is up to me okay i'm gonna close i want to pray i want to pray for you but um Hmm. See, Jesus provided an answer for, for this problem that, you know, hurt people, hurt those they even love. Even those that they love and they don't want to hurt, they hurt them. The best thing you can do for your marriage is become whole. The best thing you can do for parenting is become whole. Because broken people hurt people. You want to stop hurting people, you want to stop doing what you don't want to do, become whole. Get healed. Become vulnerable. Open up to that. 
Do the heart work? Come up, Josh. Hmm. So close your eyes, and I have a couple questions for you. And I just want you to, you know, close your eyes so that you can think about this. Really, what does it look like in your life? Will you continue to reach for soul makeup? (laughs) Will you continue to use your generic remote control? Will you say, I'm okay, others will transform the world? Will you replace your deep desire for prosperity and growth with just material, temporary things? Or will you switch to eternal, transcendent transformation that will actually echo into eternity? Or will you commit before the Lord to prioritize the gathering, the corporate worship, the listening of the word that produce faith by hearing every week with church family where God planted you and to the daily washing of his word that happens in your private time and your relationship with God in your prayer closet. You know, moms and dads, will you present your families as the priests of the home before the Lord every week? You know, like, will, will we do these things? Will we bring family and expose them to the presence of the Lord so that they learn how to behold the glory of God? I was talking to a friend uh, yesterday who, who was telling me this testimony. And just, he said, the Lord told me to pray that my kids have greater spiritual gifts than we do. So I pray, Lord, give them greater prophetic gifts. And, and his children are having natural, supernatural lives. They're prophesying and things are happening instantly. They're, they're seeing another level of the supernatural happening through their children. Because they chose... We're going to be planted in the house of the Lord. We're going to be renewed by the word of God. We're going to be exposed to the presence of God as much as we possibly physically can. Because that's the one thing that's going to transform us. You know, people's normal stories at the end of their life sounds like, yeah, they were saved, but... You know, they never changed. They always had the same issues. They always had the same brokenness. They could never get over this. They could never get over that. But imagine all of us being transformed to the extent of everything Jesus took hold of us for, like Paul said. And then our children telling stories about us. When my parents brought us to church, you know, when we first started going to church, they were all broke. They were messed up. They were almost getting a divorce. But we grew up watching them being transformed from the inside. And we were able to start where they left. See, and that's the thing about it. When you are transformed, you're setting a new floor for your children and for your disciples. For your spiritual children too. They get to start where you leave off. You know, so will they say of you, like, yes, we saw them, you know, we saw them grow in their health. We saw them grow in, in the word. We saw them disciple people. We saw them have a joy and a peace that we didn't have before. We saw them prosper financially. Year after year, we saw them increasing. We saw their marriage get better. They were kind of messed up, but man, like, we watched them get better over the years and become better parents. 
You know, so, so again, we get to choose. Because of Jesus, I'm born again. And that changed my nature. So now I can be a righteous person because I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I no long, I'm no longer a sinner. If you receive Jesus in your heart, you're not a sinner anymore. So you don't have to produce that stuff in your life. You're free from that. Because of Jesus, I'm born again, but transformation is up to me. And today I'm choosing transformation. And that's why we're building a place where people are being transformed by the word of God. Because our desire in our heart is to watch you grow, to watch you prosper, to build big people. Not a big auditorium with a bunch of full seats. That's the byproduct. And so, Father, I thank you today that that you give everybody here vision, a new hope, a new idea of what transformation looks like for them, for their marriage, for their life, for their future, for their generations to come. That you put in inside of us like a new desire, a new hunger for your word, a new hunger to be in your presence in worship, to behold your glory, God. I thank you for the encounters. I thank you for the unconditionally loving family you've given us, God. And now I pray that each one of us would choose transformation for our lives, not just weekly, but daily. That you would show us what to do with the words that we receive, what to do with the things that we learn, what to do with the revelation. So we thank you, God. We give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name.